Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here. Really glad. Um, is this supposed to be? I'll push that button and see what happens. Um, uh, really glad that you are here with us today. And um, nothing. Oh, there you go. Um, uh, there's this joke. You ever have, you know, like recurring jokes in your life? People that, you know, they say the same jokes to you all the time, like they're, like they're the first one. Like, Growing up in the you know, in in the seventies, there was this um, you know Starkist commercial, and the um, and 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 the mascot was a was a was a was a fish named Charlie, which was not great for me. And there was this catchphrase. Anybody old enough to know the catchphrase? Sorry, Charlie. Right. So if you accidentally say it, like like you just accidentally say it to me, like I did say, oh sorry, Charlie, and you go, <laughs> sorry, Charlie. <laughs> Well, there's one that you get with being a pastor, you know, people come up to you and you're like, oh, it must be real nice only having to work one day a week. <laughs> and there's really nothing you can say to that. But if I could say something, it would be something like this. Yeah, I, that would be true, except you people are so messed up, you keep me busy. Um, so think about that if you want to make that joke to me. That's what I'm thinking even though I'm not saying it, right? You know, but it is, it is interesting, you know, because it, it does seem, because this is the time that I have the most contact with the most people, it's probably for most of you, you know, the, the, the primary, if not the only time, that I just personally have input into your life. And so it can feel to you, and sometimes it can even feel to me, like, like this is the job, public speaking, you know, once a week, twice, uh, twice on that day, you know, that, that's the job. And for a lot of pastors, that can, it can be kind of hard. Um, or sometimes it can feel like um, the job is, I have this organization. I'm, I, 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 I manage an organization with, you know, with a handful of staff and, you know, hundreds of members and these kinds of things, that, that, that that's the job. And I've been trying to just kind of do a good job in my own head, kind of kicking off the year, trying to think about you know goals for the year, and talking to our staff that that were really clear on what the job is. What is it? What does it really mean to work for a church? And there's a way that I say it in connections, which is kind of our new member deal. We have got another one coming up in February. Um, there's a way that I say it there. It's like that that we as a church staff, we're not in the event planning business. We're not event planners. And we're not in the education business. We're not educators. I say if we have a business, it's, it's the people business. We're, we're, we're in the people business. We're trying to help people. We want people to get better. If they, if they were here, we want them to get to here. And so when, when families are restored, we're winning. When, when someone finds Christ for the first time, we're winning. When someone finds God's purpose and cause for their life and begins to be a champion um, for serving the community or disenfranchised people or to become missionaries or something. We're, we're winning. That's, that's what we, do. we win when people win. And, you know, there obviously is a lot of event planning in the job. This is a really big event. Um, it requires a lot of volunteers, mobilizing that many volunteers and managing them, the prep that the worship team and the tech team put in, the that the kids team puts in there, that whoever is communicating. There's a lot of prep that goes into it, and it's like, but it's not, it's not the event. And there's some education. Hopefully at some point today you might, you might learn something. 
But, but the purpose of what we're doing, the purpose of what we're doing is there on the wall. In the lobby, when you come in, we want to reach people to become fully devoted, world-changing followers of Christ. And so what we're trying to do, what we're wanting to do, is we're wanting to invest in you, and really, all together, we're investing in each other to help us grow spiritually, to become more and, and to do better, the, to be the people that God has called us to be. I mean, Jesus said, man, these are the greatest commandments in Scripture. This is the best thing that you can do with your life, to love God with everything that you are and to love other people the way you love yourself. And so we want to help people do that. We want people to find out who Jesus Christ is, have a relationship with God through Him, and then to grow and just get a little bit better each and every day. That's what the job is. That's what the purpose of the church is. And sometimes I think, man, if sometimes church staff people can get a little foggy about it, if we're a little bit foggy, then it makes sense why all of us might be a little bit foggy. Like, why am I here today? I mean, it's Sunday and that's what you do, right? So that's, that's, why, that's why I'm here today. I'm here today to get my, 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 my God point, right? God's got a notebook, right? And he keeps up with it. And this is the best way to get a point. I got to negate the points I lost, you know, last week. You know, what's what you have to do? Why are you here? I would like to think, and I, and I believe this, that, that on some level we all recognize, man, that there is there's something in my life that I need. I, need. I need to get better. I need to be pursuing God more. I need to have a deeper, better relationship with Him and, and, and with others. And I'm here today, maybe let God speak into my life. I want to grow. I want to be better than what I am. And so in this move series, we've been using this illustration. It's called the wheel diagram. To kind of a, kind of just a, a really cool illustration, I think, of, of kind of what, what it can look like to grow spiritually. And two weeks ago, my, Mark talked about that centerpiece, that, that Christ is the center of your life. And to me, it, it, that's the gold of the entire illustration. It, it's all good, but that's the best part. Because I think if, if, if I were to say, hey, your life is like a circle, most of us would probably imagine like, little, like there's little pie pieces to that circle. And we would call spiritual life, God, Jesus, we would call that one piece of the life, but then there's also my work and my family. But what this illustration helps us understand is that really the hub of my life, the center of my life, the thing that helps turn every other aspect of my life is supposed to be my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then last week we talked about this outer rim, the obedient Christian in action you talk about the thing, man, that really shows that I am a, a Christian life that's, that's moving, that's going somewhere, that's doing something. It's obedience. I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm avoiding, not just simply avoiding the bad things that I'm not supposed to do, but I'm proactively doing and being who God's called me to be. I am, I'm being obedient. And these next few weeks, we're going to talk about these, these four spokes, these different aspects that really kind of help us grow spiritually. And today we're going to talk about fellowship. And fellowship is kind of, you know, is, is a word that I feel like gets used mostly in a church context, but really has the idea of connecting with other people, that really kind of building relationships with other people. Really that second great commandment, to love God and then to love others the way that you love yourself. And so the way that I want to say it, and it's kind of our big idea for today, is this, is, is that we need each other. We need each other. 
And I, we, at some level, we've, we've got to let this sink in in a real deep way. That we really do need each other. You, you're, you're not okay by, by yourself. And, um, you know, Mark's already hinted at this, and, and somebody came and put a, put, a, put a tag on me. You know, we're, 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 we're talking about small groups, and I know that for a lot of people, this idea of small groups can be intimidating. If you've never done anything like that before, or it's kind of a new concept, and even coming to church, I know a lot of times is hard for people, because, you know, you, know, you come up to a church for the first time, and, and you really don't know what's on the other side of the door. Anybody remember that feeling? You may be brand new and you, you felt it today, right? You're on the other side of that door and you're like, I wonder what's on the other side of that door. Is it going to be normal people, weird people? I heard a story about a, a snake once. It's funny how many people are scared of churches that handle snakes. And I like, I don't know any churches that handle snakes. And I think if, I, I think if you're going to go to a, a, a church that handles snakes, you probably would hear about it in advance. I mean, it's not like they're, it's common, but you still, you get into this kind of, this, this, this fear thing, right? And if that's intimidating, you're going to go to these strangers' house to meet with people you don't know and hang out with them. Like, what is that? What's that going to be? I'll tell you a little bit about my small group. We, we met last week. It was really cool. And for the first 45 minutes or so, we were, we were, having, we were having dinner and um, telling each other what the latest uh, shows on Netflix we just gotten finished watching, right? Everybody's binge-watching something, and we're all, we're all you know, comparing shows and promoting different shows like advocates right and i'm doing what i do I'm, i don't know how many of you do it like if if you start talking about a show i have this little I have a little note on my phone with a whole list of them i'll just i'll just i'll just add it to the list because you know it's 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 a it's a sad place to be in between shows right right <laughs> like you just finished one we just finished we had just finished one that 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 night before and so like it was really good we were looking for 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 something new and so we took one of their recommendations and we finished it this week. And that's, that's terrible. It was only seven episodes. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. It was only seven, it was only seven episodes. You want to judge me. It was, there was a time. This, we're way off topic. Um, there was a time, old people, where if you wanted to binge watch something, you had to own it on DVD. Who's with me? Right? And um, we owned all of the DVDs. We bought, we bought all, all the DVDs for, for, for 24 Right, and um, we had kids at the time. We had like, like kids, like small kids, right? And um, and and we would stay up till three in the morning. It was just always like just one more, just like one one more, just one more. And when every episode's a cliffhanger, it just drives you crazy. Um, and so we did that for like forty five minutes. We were just we were just we were just kind of talking, and we're going to start a new study tonight in in our small group. So we didn't we didn't really weren't going to start something new. And, and so what we did was we just kind of went around and said, hey, man, we've already kind of connected kind of what we've been doing over the holidays and kind of what shows we're watching. But, man, what, what's going on with everybody, really? And it was really cool. Every, every family, one degree or another, was just kind of sharing something that was on their heart. For some people, it was battling, like, some, some life-threatening illnesses in their extended family. And for some, it was just kind of some, some real chaos in extended family, some financial concerns and struggles. And it was just... It just felt really good just to kind of get some of that out there and kind of for that moment to feel like I can share a little bit of this load with other people. And then something really cool happened um, when we were driving home. My wife, she just kind of looked over at me and she was like, that was, that was good. That was, that was good. I needed that. It was this kind of thing where it's like you didn't really, I don't know if she even... We knew that we needed that, but just connecting with people who, 
share our same values and our heart and we know that we can kind of be honest with and just connect with in a fun way, but then also in a real way. It was just, man, it was, just, it was, it was good. And we, and we need that. And in Hebrews 10, if you have a Bible app or you brought a physical Bible with you, Hebrews 10, we'll look at a couple verses. In Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, these are a couple of my favorite verses in all the Scripture. And in a very powerful way, kind of describe this, this idea of how much we need each other. Verse 24, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So what the author's doing here is kind of giving a little purpose, a little direction, kind of what we mean when we say that we need each other. It's like, man, here's what you need to do. Man, you need to think about this. You need to consider, be thinking about what you can do to kind of help somebody else uh, do better, to, have, to, to love, to have good deeds, to, to, to encourage each other. And then he says, he says we're going we're to talk about this a lot over, over the next, kind of look at some specific, but just kind of big picture. He's like, man, you've got you to gotta, you gotta consider and, and spur each other on, not giving up meeting together like, like some people do. Like it's real interesting that even even back then he he feels like he's got to talk to some Christians and say, "Hey, you know, to be a Christian, you can't just not get together." Apparently, because there were some people that were, there were some people who was like they think they're going to be a Christian, but they're going to do it by themselves. And you hear that sometimes from people, right? And I'm sure there's probably some of you that have said something like this at some point in your life. Well, I don't really need church. I don't really need smogger. I don't I don't need other people. My relationship with God it's it's personal. It's personal. It's just me. It's, it's, it's private. You know, and is it, shouldn't God be enough? So just me and God and the Word, that's enough. I don't need other people. Man, church, church, man, it's just, it's just that's, that's not for me. And somehow we think, like these people thought, that somehow you can do life well alone. And I just want to make sure that we're clear on how stupid that is. Okay? It's just dumb. Because there was this dude, the very first dude, actually. His name, was, his name was Adam. And he lived in a world without sin. And he lived in a world where he had a perfect relationship with God. He was doing really well with God. You, on the other hand, are not that. You live in a world full of sin. You live in a world where you're bringing plenty of sin. And your relationship with God may be stellar. You may just dominate the Bible and God may think that you're number one. I mean, out of, out of seven billion of us, somebody's got to be number one, right? Somebody. Somebody. Maybe it's you. But it wasn't like Adam. It wasn't that kind of relationship. And, and God looked at him and said, Ooh, this isn't good. This is not good. And what was it about it? He said it wasn't good. He says, man, it is not good that he is what? Alone. It wasn't good that he was alone. He was never meant to be alone. None of us were ever meant to be alone. In perfect relationship with God, (coughs) in a world without sin, there was a gap in Adam's life. And it was a gap of being alone. Because God designed us this way to need each other. And he kind of explains a little bit even more why this is important. It's at the very end where he says, 
encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What does he mean by that? What does it, what does it mean, the day? What is he talking about, the day approaching? Well, the day is kind of shorthand for the day that Jesus comes back, which is kind of, we'll just say, shorthand for the end of the world, right? And, and so as you see that the end of the world is coming, this is going to become more and more increasingly important. Well, why would he say that? Well, let's just say that, that, that what the Bible teaches about what the end of the world is going to be like, that it's not going to be like, you know, like, like candy and cake day, right? I mean, it's going to be bad. It describes it as, as, as being a very terrifying time with a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And so essentially what he's saying here is, is as the world is getting worse, I'll say it differently, as your world is getting worse, this becomes more and more and more important. But unfortunately for some of us, as our world, the literal world that, we, that is living around us, as it's getting worse, or maybe in my own life, as I feel like my life is getting worse, too many of us, we do the opposite of this. We, we, we put the defense mechanisms out there to keep people away. Some of us hide, and that's what I am. I hide. And I'm really good. I don't know how many of you are you probably, you know, not as good as me. The ability to hide in plain sight, to, to sit on a stage in front of hundreds of people and to be, to be social and to be around people all the time, but really be hiding. When things in my life aren't going well, what I want to do is I want to keep it in. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to really tell people. Man, when people ask me how you're doing, there's nothing better. Man, there's nothing better than being able to say that you're doing well when you're doing well. Right? But what I can do sometimes I mean, is I can find lots of creative ways to not lie to you, but not really tell you really what's going on. Oh, man, you know, it's, you know, we're kind of having some, some struggles, man. I can use some, use some prayers. And just, oh, wow, that was, that was, he, was, he was kind of open. Just enough, just enough to keep you at bay, but not to have lied. Right? So some of us hide, but some of us kind of respond in anger. The worse things get, the more angry we get. And, and both of those things kind of have the same, same result. Two different defense mechanisms that look very differently, but basically you're communicating to the world around you, leave me alone. Get away from me. You don't get to come in. And it's unfortunate that the times when, our, when, our, when, when things are at their worst, we choose to isolate ourselves the most. Because what, what the author here is suggesting, which is, which is actually a very powerful idea, the, the worse it gets, the more we need each other. And so as we see the world kind of seemingly approaching towards the day, or, or, or it just feels like it just in your life, how much more do we need each other? And so now it's one thing. It's one thing to say, man, hey, I'm doing a good job with that, man. I'm here, aren't I? I mean, I'm around other Christians that works, right? I get the count. Like, why, why are you giving me a hard time about it? I mean, if anybody needs this message, it's the, it's the sleep-inners, right? It's the avoiders. It's the, it's the people at the park today. It's, it's the hikers and the campers, right? It's the people who are so triggered by zero degrees on Tuesday that they're out and about today at 60, right? It's one thing to say that I've been around people. It's another thing to say that I've experienced what the Bible calls biblical fellowship and what the author is describing here. So we're going to kind of just drill down on just two, two more ideas in particular 
about what the author is saying here about our needing each other. And the first one is found just in those first few words of the verse. He doesn't say do fellowship. He doesn't say hang out with people. He says this, and let us consider how we can do this. It's proactive. Fellowship's proactive. According to him, what he is suggesting that we do is that you need to think about this in advance. You need to think about the people that God has placed in your life and think in advance, what is something that I can do to help them? I mean, most all of us, if someone came to you with a need, would respond to it in some way. Hey, I need some help with this. Hey, oh, good luck with that. You head to your car and leave. Hey, hey can, you, can, you, can you help me? Most people, we will react well if someone approaches us for help. But that's not what we encourage you to do. He's not saying, hey, meet needs as you become aware of them. Be sure to say yes to someone who asks. That's an important thing. And there are verses we could have looked at today that would have suggested that. But he's suggesting something very different than that. Something deeper. That before the need is met, you're already thinking about people. You're already thinking about the people that God has placed in your life and the role that you could play to proactively help them. I'm going to think about this in advance. These are the people that God has put in my life and I want to think about how I can help them. These are the kind of people that we need to be and these are the kinds of people that we need in our life. I need people in my life who care enough about me and care enough about my family to proactively think about what they can do to help me. That's what I need. And you know, if we think about it, you know, being here, I don't want you to lose the point. I don't want you to feel like you didn't get the point. You get the point for being here today. Right? You get the point. Right? You get the point. I'll give you double points today just for fun. <laughs> Write it down in your notebook. Um, the church, man, it's proactive. We have thought about this. You know, this sermon, didn't, I didn't come up with it today. I didn't ask anybody in the lobby, like, hey, man, what do you think we should talk about today? Maybe someday we'll do that. Maybe someday we'll come here, I won't prep anything, and be like, hey, so what do you guys want to talk about? You got any questions? And it'll be a disaster, and I would never do it again. Because <laughs> the person who's bold enough to ask a question in a group this large is probably the kind of person you're scared to listen to their questions. Who knows? It could be awesome. So I know some churches that have done that, and maybe someday we'll do. Kind of open mic Q&A. I actually love stuff like that. If people... Especially people when they try to trip me up, I'll try to ask them a question I don't know the answer to. It's fun. But what we do is we're proactive. Man, what, what can we do? Man, we're talking about small groups today. Man, how can, what can we do and say to kind of help motivate people and push people to understand this huge need that they have in their life for small groups and for relationships? And so we thought about, I thought about that all week as we're kind of getting ready for this. And even this series, which was discussed about we're going to do this series, kind of this spiritual growth type series. We talked about it months ago we decided this. And Mark and I have been proactively planning this series for a while. You know, the, the worship is that way. The, the, the kids is that way. I mean, this, this is planned. It's proactive. We're thinking about you in particular. What do you guys as a group, what do you need? Well, small groups are even better at that. You know, because instead of hundreds of people, it's, you know, six to 12 people 
What do these 6 to 12 people need to grow in their relationships with God? And to be able to have a group like that where there are people proactively thinking about the things that you need, that's great. You need to be a part of that. Which is also why I've been encouraging, we've been encouraging over these last few weeks, even smaller groups than the small groups. Kind of discipleship-focused groups. Groups of two or three people getting together. Or even on a more personal, intimate level. You've got someone or a couple of someones in your life where you're talking to each other specifically and thinking about what is it that you specifically need to grow in your relationship with God. It's deeper and better than that. So at each one of these, it becomes more proactive. It becomes more personalized. And so coming to church is great. And you kind of get this broad sense of what we as a whole, as God's people, need to be doing and and, and being. But the more intimate and personalized the environment, the more really this kind of proactive growth can happen. And so I encourage you, you get the point for coming, but let's go to that next place. And so that next place would be, if you're not in a small group, to get into a small group. If you're in a small group, maybe to find some people in your life, even within that small group, a smaller group of people that can kind of help you, even in a more personal, intimate, proactive way. And so this fellowship is talking about, it's more than just kind of reacting to people having issues. It's not just social, it's, 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 it's proactive. Well, proactive in what? Well, we'll say it this way. Fellowship is proactive, but it's also intentional. It's it's intentional. I mean, you can say, I'm a social person. I've got friends. I've got people. And I'm proactive with them. I'm, I'm looking for opportunities to connect with them. And I've got a group of guys that, I'm, that I connect with a lot, very proactive with. There's a group text. There's a group text that we have where we're all Razorback friends and a little bit cranky. It's actually called the Razorback Rant Fest, and it's become legendary in a smaller group of people of just, just kind of a, a, a free space to kind of let energy and emotion out, especially in the middle of a game, right? And it's good, and it's proactive. I'm always seeking these people out as I'm, as I'm, as I'm feeling things, right? And it's good. But, I mean, that was not great. I mean, it's not the best. I mean, it's, it's like it's social, It's proactive, but it's not what this is talking about. You may have a good group of friends that you spend time with around a certain hobby or a certain common interest. But he's talking about something else. Let's consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That the things that I'm saying and the things that I'm doing, I'm trying to figure out the kinds of relationships that I have, man, we're, we're going to make each other better. You're going to be more loving. You're going to be, you need to do better. You're going to encourage each other. You're going to do good things. You're going to love deeper and love better. That it's intentional. It's got, it's got a real purpose to it. It's not just social. It's not just connection. And it's not just proactive. It's intending to make you better. And, and, and the way that I've thought about this for a while is what we need in our lives are, are more friends and fewer buddies. You think, well, that, what, what do you mean by that? Well, 
There's a difference between a friend and a buddy. So let's just imagine hypothetically. Of course, this would be true of none of us. We've already gotten our points, right? It would be true that we did something bad last night. You did something bad, you did something stupid, and it hurt you, and it hurt other people. And you share that with a buddy. Oh, man, you won't believe what I did last night. What? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> right? And you can just kind of laugh about the fact that you're both really stupid. And it's good to have a buddy, I guess. He's not ju- I mean, he, he don't judge me. Like, can we just be honest? Man, sometimes you need a little bit of judging. Right? You need a friend. Man, you will not believe what I did last night. What would you do? Well, I did this. That was stupid. Why would you do that? And what can we do to make sure that doesn't happen again? You're ruining your life and damaging your relationships. You can't do that. You have to stop. And I'm going to be here every step of the way, but we've got to figure out a way. Well, what, what kind of plan? We need to come up with a plan to protect you from yourself. I can't let you. A friend cannot let a friend continue to do something stupid that is hurting himself and hurting other people. So we need to consider how to spur one another on, not towards kindness and happiness and coddling and appeasing, but to help each other become better. And so obviously that calls for gentleness, that calls for grace, it calls for compassion. We don't want to jump to some other extreme. But at the same time, the kinds of relationships that we're talking about is the kind of relationship when you think about it, man, I'm a better person when I am with them. So anytime I think about this idea, I tell you, I probably have told this story a hundred times over the last 20 plus years. And, and I just can't help but, but tell it because it was just so impactful in my life. And it's about my friend, his name's Stuart. I had been married for about a year. I've been married for about a year. And I'm just telling you, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to exaggerate. I'm not trying to do something for, you know, so it'll sound good in a story. Man, I was failing in just about every way possible someone could fail. I was failing as a husband. We were fighting all the time. I mean, just angry, yelling till late hours. I was failing in my job. I was hiding. I was hiding from my responsibilities, doing the least I could do, and just scared to death. Scared to death of a job. Scared. I, could, I didn't know how to manage our finances. And at the same time, my personal life, and I was struggling. There were some secret sins that I had that were just eating me up on the inside. I was doing all the right things. I was going to church. I got that point. I was, I was in a small group. I got that point. But I wasn't doing well. And there was this guy. His name was Stuart. He was, I can tell, he's about four or five years older than me. They just had their first kid. Um, and I just asked him. I was like, man, I, I need to talk to somebody. Could you and I just have lunch? And we had lunch, and I just kind of opened up myself to him, and we made a decision that we were just going to meet every week. And we had this list of questions that we were just going to ask each other and talk about every week. I was talking about my marriage, talking to him about um, my job. He was talking to him about his stuff, and we were just talking. And every week it was the same deal. I would have lunch with him. I would come home later that day, and Heidi would be like, did you have lunch with Stuart today? Yes. What would you all talk about? 
Uh, talking about me, aren't you? Uh, <sighs> you can't, you can't, you can't betray that. So you, you step up. Next week, same thing. Next week, same thing. What'd you talk about? Uh, and finally, she said, "You know, Leanne says why." She and I talked. We know y'all are talking about us. <laughs> so after a couple of months of this, I came home once, and she said, did you have lunch with Stuart today? I said, yeah, how was it? It was good. I've decided that I'm not going to ask you anymore what you talked about. But I don't know what you talk about. I don't know what you say. Here's the only thing that I know. You're a better person when you spend time with him. That's all I know. And it was true. I was, I was becoming a better husband. I, was, I found the courage to overcome the sin in my life and, and doing better at work. But so we made this investment in each other. We had this deal where it's like, we're going to get together, and for the first 10 minutes we could talk about sports. And as soon as it hit 12.10, we had to stop. And then we talked about life. And we were just making each other better. And these are the relationships that we need because this way we need each other. We need each other. But here's the thing that I would encourage. Whatever level that you feel like you're on, uh, go to the next one. If you're, you're here, great. There's opportunities to connect in small group. You need to do that when you head out of here. Well, I'm in a small group. Well, there's probably some people in that small group you probably need to go to another level with to really let those people in your life. So we have response time here, just like we always do at the end of the service. But your best response time is going to be outside in the lobby afterwards, talking to the small group leaders, looking at the sign-ups, figuring out a way to get into a small group. Or the next time you get together with your small group, going to one or two guys, one or two ladies in your group and saying, hey, I think we should get together and maybe just talk about some other stuff too. Trying to go into the next level. So all those applications, those are something that you're going to have to do later. So here's what I'm going to do while we worship over these next few minutes. We're going to pray for each other, and you're going to pray for yourself, that somehow between now and then, you won't lose the courage to do the thing you know you're supposed to do. There's not one person in here in this room who's thinking, that was a waste of my time. That idiot doesn't know what he's talking about. You know you're struggling when you're alone. You know that you need people in your lives deeper and better than the way that they are right now. You know it. The question is, will you have the courage to take the step that you need to do that? So let's do that for each other. You can, there's a prayer team in the back. There's so, so many ways to respond. Communion, prayer candles, the cross, worship, giving, lots of ways to respond. But let's do this. Let's pray that we will have the courage to do what we need to do to get the people into our lives that will make us better. Let me pray.